You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If I could put a number on it from zero to 10, I am at a 10 right now, guys. It makes me happy that Kyrie Irving is active on the socials again. He's back. He's back, baby. He's back and better than ever. Oh, my God. Oh, man. What a weekend. It's the off season, guys. You got to go back into the lab, right? You need to sharpen your tools. You need to get things ready for the season. And it looks like Kyrie Irving is in the lab. I'm going to tell you guys what, man. Straight up. It's not joyous to me that he's active. It's joyous to me that he's active on so many different stories. He's everywhere. That are completely unrelated. Yeah. He's all seeing, man. He had time today. Or he had time this weekend. (laughs) I'm going to respond to this story. I'm going to respond to that story. I'm going to respond to this over here. I'm going to make a comment over here. It's not one continuous topic as he usually does. He was spraying, dude. I was blindsided by him being blinded by the blind side. That might be my favorite, man. You got me. (laughs) Michael Orr. Is back in the news Mm -hmm. because he petitioned to court on Monday that Sean and Leanne Twohey. I've never known how to say their names because, spoiler, I've never watched. It's a toughie. Yeah, that's well done, Tom. I've never watched The Blind Side, so I don't know how to say that name. Same note, too. They never adopted him. Instead, they tricked him into signing a document, making them his conservators and enriching themselves. Kyrie Irving on Twitter said, if this is true, the movie had me completely fooled. SMH. Face palm emoji. What a scamming ass world we live in. <laughs> Kyrie Irving fooled by a movie? No. What? No. No. Not my Kyrie Irving. He didn't watch that one with his third eye. Third eye Kai would never be fooled. What a scamming ass world we live in. Was I think that's my. <laughs> 
That scamming ass world got me again. I mean, Tyree back on the internet. He's back on social media as if he ever left. But the point is he got got by the blind side and Sandra Bullock and all that. But he's speaking truths. I think we need to roll the clip about the number 10. We've been on this story for weeks here at Illuminati. And I'm glad that Kyrie is covering it too. And he's not willing to keep this hidden from the masses he's speaking on it and revealing the truth behind number 10 so let's hear what he said look at all the people that wore number 10 man. it's not just it's, it's, it's not just by coincidence that some of the best of the best have worn number 10 that's all i'm saying not by coincidence it's all planned out carefully thought out legacy talk here you know like i said I, i've been able to win on every level gold medal except for college <laughs> So he already owns the number 11. He's been battling with Clay Thompson for the number 11 for many years here. And now he's coming after the number 10 as well. Oh. And you know why? I mean, because seven, eight, nine. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Give yourself a loser game show sound for that one. But no, man, this is what I love. man. I love the numerology. I love connecting the dots and the threads that you find. So Kyrie wears number 10 and he claims this is a legacy and he's right. He is right. A Mecca Okafer, you know, it all started with Mech. Well, right. I mean, not quite. The Mecca. <laughs> the Mecca. Good try, but not quite. Wait, what? That was Tom trying to do some Illuminati dot connecting to Charlotte. <laughs> oh yeah. That's all it is. The origins of Kyrie's beliefs. All roads lead back to Charlotte always when it comes to Tom Abistro. But number 10, a lot of guys have worn number 10 throughout the years for Team USA. Clyde Drexler. Reggie Miller, Kevin Garnett. But it didn't really have a meaning until Kobe did it, right? And what I mean by that is this. So international basketball, FIBA basketball, when you're playing a national team play, you're forced to pick a number one through 12. There are only 12 roster spots, so you can't wear 23s and you can't wear 55s and stuff like that. You guys have to figure out a number. So Kobe wore 10 because in international soccer, number 10 goes to the best player. Right. Pele wore 10, Maradona wore 10. 10 is the number. It's all thought out. Like Kyrie said, it's all thought out. But every other American player after Kobe who have worn the number 10 have been members of a society I like to call the Knights of the Triangular Table. This is the High Council of Kobistan, the nation of avid supporters of the supreme leader, the chosen one, Kobe Bryant. And even though he's no longer with us, and we're sad about that, his legacy lives on throughout the worship and the work of these disciples. And these disciples include people like Jason Tatum, Paul George, DeMar DeRozan, and of course, Kyrie Irving. And so I wonder, oh, do I wonder, does Kyrie Irving look at Anthony Edwards as an apprentice of the apprentice. Mm. Maze, is this his own rule of two he's trying to enact? Mm -hmm. Where there's always two, a master and an apprentice. One to wield the power and one to wish to overtake him and take it all. So what does that do to Jason Tatum, who's still only 19 years old? Right. So he's not exactly a master yet himself. This is going to be contentious, guys. You know, he says nothing is a coincidence. It's not by coincidence that Anthony Edwards has decided to go with number 10, even though he's already decided to go from one to five. He's multiplying at an extreme rate here. 
by the end of the week, Anthony Edwards will be number 100. And I think the math here is in order to get people to remember that you're going to be number five this year, you do it twice. Mm -hmm. Five plus five equals 10. So Anthony Edwards is saying, all right, I'm going to claim number 10 here because in two years or when the Paris games happen, I'm going to stake my claim to 10. Because Kyrie Irving took 10 and DeMar DeRozan ended up with nine. Mm. So he tried to get number 10, but he had to get the next best thing, which is nine, which is also MJ number nine with the dream team. Look, if you can't be Kobe, maybe you go with Michael. That's where I'm thinking is, you know, Jason Tatum and Anthony Edwards are going to be fighting over number 10 here because it's all thought out. Like it's all planned out. There are no coincidences in this world. So Anthony Edwards taking 10 now. This is the play before the play, right? I mean, yeah, and I almost feel like this is the part where Jason Tatum becomes Darth Maul. Oh, you were once in the rule of two, but now you're out. Nobody wants you. We've replaced you with Count Dooku, who would then be replaced by Anakin Skywalker, aka Darth Vader. And so, as always, like I said, rule of two, always two one to wield the power, an apprentice to crave it. And right now, I think Kyrie's letting it be known like, hey, I'm the master. Anthony Edwards is the apprentice. Jason Tatum, go find new legs somewhere else. That's a Star Wars reference. Oh, yeah. Is this Star Wars? All these references? That's right. It's Ahsoka season. We're back, yeah, baby. Rule of two. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. Have you heard of the Illuminati? The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? I've never used them before. <laughs> This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haverstrow, and as always, I am joined by the five-star Illuminati generals, Amin Hassan and producer Anthony Mays, the co-presidents of the Illumination, fellas. Oh my goodness. James Harden is speaking truths. Or is he a liar? I don't really know, but I'm going to repeat it. James Harden is a liar. Or is he speaking truths? We're going to have to unpack this. We're going to have to break down this code. There's a lot of cryptic language here. Mm. There's a lot of backstory here. There's a lot of straight up code breaking. He broke the code. Dylan Brooks style. Yeah. Shattered onto the floor in China. We're going to have to devote a whole segment to what is that? Like three sentences spoken by James Harden. Two times. And we're going to probably say it a third time on the show because that's what we do. Keep your third eye open. But first. You are listening to The Agenda with Tom Haberstroh and Amin El Hassan. 
I mean, how is Springfield, Massachusetts this time of year? Oh. It's hot everywhere, but, you know, Southern Massachusetts, how is it? It was glorious, man. I mean, I wasn't outdoors a whole lot, so I can't speak to how it was outside, but being around the Hall of Fame festivities was awesome, man. I can't praise it enough. It's so cool to see all the legends walking around, walking amongst us. Yeah. Cool to see how many people turn out, the people who come out to support because you see, like, all these names and faces. There's nothing that can replace. It's going to sound ridiculous. There's nothing can replace the excitement of turning around and looking like, is that Jan Mahinmi? You're playing hoop grids while you're walking around. The whole weekend was a hoop grids cheat sheet. Walking around, I'm like, oh, that's going to be a good one to have on there for sure. Oh, yeah. Pow did play for the Spurs. That's right. Okay, yeah. Dude, how about when Tony shouted out Michael Finley and he said, Mike, I see you over there sitting with the Dallas people, but we're the ones that got you a ring. Remember oh. that? And I was like, oh, wow. wow. Yeah. It was great. It was fun the whole time. But again, it's little things like that. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was with the Spurs. Yeah. That's my favorite game at an arena. When you're at an NBA game is the layup lines when the guys are shooting around before the game. There's always this meetup at half court mm -hmm. between former teammates. And I always love to play the game of how do they know each other? Like, what is the team that they played on together? Oh, there's Michael Beasley and Anthony Tolliver. And you do the, the math in your head. You're like, wait, when did they know each other? It's almost like a real life hoop grids playing out in an NBA game. And you're doing it at the Hall of Fame where it's a reunion for NBA players. Yeah. Everywhere you go, it's just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when we did that? Those guys were on that championship team together. I totally forgot. So that Finley moment... That was cool. And man, shouts to Mark Spears and me. And how cool was that? I mean, that's why I went, honest to God, I went to go see my buddy Mark Spears get enshrined because he won the Kurt Gowdy Award for print media. You know, that's special in a couple of reasons. One is that I know other Hall of Famers who have won the Kurt Gowdy Award and it's awesome and it's fun. But Mark is someone that I work with very closely. I had a podcast with him and Chris Haynes once upon a time. Go figure, uh, the three of us would be on one podcast together. And he's been like a big brother and a mentor to me. So I told him straight up, watching him go in was like watching me go into the Hall of Fame. Yep. Well, I don't, that's, that's. Uh, I'm telling you, that's the feeling I got. It was a feeling of like, yeah, we did it, right? Amin and Mark Spears both wore number 10. Wow. Exactly, yeah. The legacy continues. But the other part of this that was shocking to me, Vinny Goodwill was the one who brought this to my attention. Mark's only the fourth black writer to win the Kurt Gowdy Award for print media. It's Will Bond, who just got in a couple of years ago. It's David Aldridge. It's David Dupree. And it's Mark Spears. And the crazier part of this is Will Bond wrote for the Chicago Tribune and the Washington Post. Aldridge wrote for the Washington Post. Dupree wrote for USA Today. These are major institutional newspapers across the land, right? national brands, even though two of them are technically local papers. And then you got Mark Spears, who much of his newspaper career was at the Denver Post and a little bit in the Bay Area and a little bit at Boston. I know he covered the big three mm -hmm. of Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce in 2008 when they won. But the bulk of his career was at not a real national brand of a newspaper. And then obviously he went on to Yahoo Sports from there and now at ESPN and Anscape. It signifies a little bit of a modernization here. This is a guy who didn't do it the traditional way of writing for the Boston Globe or the New York Times for 25 years or what have you. And so to see Mark make it 
and to be only the fourth black writer to be bestowed such an honor is kind of crazy, but also really rewarding. And of course, everyone was there, you know, to see him through. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, you are not the only one who feels like he's the big brother to them. Mm -hmm. Like Vinny Goodwill and to all of us who have been at an NBA game, Mark puts his big bare hands on you and gives you a big hug or puts his arm around you. If you've been in that moment, man, you feel so much warmth from that dude. Like he is an awesome person to have in your life. And he is a big brother to so many journalists, so many people behind the camera or behind the pen that you don't probably know about or don't know their byline or their face mm -hmm. that he has helped out over the years that would consider him a big brother. I'll give you an example. Someone who actually got to call him up to the stage when he got his honor. Malika Andrews. Mm. Malika Andrews got her start, you know, as an intern with the New York Times. But in terms of who she connected with within the basketball world to be a part of this world, as opposed to a cub reporter covering, I don't know, Little League Baseball or whatever it was, mm. was Mark Spears. Because at the time he was the head of the NABJ Sports Task Force. As a result, I guess he met her at NABJ. Gave her the shout out and gave her the boost in and look at her now. As we see, she's just been named the host of Countdown of all the Countdowns as opposed to, you know, one or two as it was a year ago. So like Malika Andrews was there and Gary Washburn was there and Sherrod Blakely was there and Vinnie Goodwill and Rachel Nichols. Everybody was there and it was just an awesome time and an awesome celebration of a truly great person we don't say this often. I know we like to mess around here and talk about ulterior motives and code breakers and people who are carrying water, but you don't often get to see someone who does it the right way, does it with class, does it fairly and objectively, but not doing puff pieces or whatever. And Mark's that. Mark's a dude that's shot straight his entire career. And it's cool to see guys like that get honored. For sure. And I would challenge anyone to find someone as prolific as Mark Spears. I mean, he's been doing this a very long time and he's still putting out pieces that every day I'm like, man, how does he do it? Every day it feels like he's got a new connected story where he's got a source or an interview or a new angle on a story that everyone's talking about. It's amazing. He puts up 30 and 10 every single day. Every time I tell one of my friends, you know, Isaiah Hartenstein is black, right? <laughs> and it blows their mind. I'm copying and I'm pasting the Mark Spears featurette on him, sending it over. Look, dude, there's a zillion articles like that over the years that are just have bookmark every time someone brings up oh you didn't know that boom copy paste sent and blow everybody's mind it was a celebration and a great event anything else stand out to you from the speeches i thought Dwayne wade bringing his father up on stage was a real highlight oh, that was cool i wrote about Dwayne wade on the finder you can go find it on substack yeah. go find me if you want to be a finder subscribe on substack it's called the finder with tom haberstro i got a piece where i found 10 things my favorite things about Dwayne Wade and wrote about him. I think Dwayne Wade was just an awesome guy to talk to in the locker room. And you can see it just on air. He's hosting a game show. All the public eye stuff that you see about Dwayne Wade. I mean, on the Levitard show last week was amazing about Paul Pierce and that. And his speech was very moving. That was just one of the many moments that stuck out to me. I enjoyed his speech as well. I thought it was very well written, very well organized. I thought he did a great job of explaining his background and the importance of his father playing that role. But I also really enjoyed that he picked Allen Iverson to be his presenter. He could have picked Chris Bosh, his buddy, 
his teammate, the guy he won championship with, was also a Hall of Famer. Because the way it works is you just have to have a Hall of Famer present you. So he could have picked one of those guys, but he picked AI and he said, I wore the number three because of you. I wore the arm sleeve because of you. And I thought that was just a great way to honor someone who has caught more than his fair share of anger and vitriol throughout the years and criticism throughout the years. It's really cool to see Allen Iverson being granddaddy in a rocking chair and seeing how much people are showing him love and telling them, you're the reason I do this or I do that or I play like this or I even started playing basketball. For someone like AI, who I'm sure, you know, Jordan was his guy and like many of us, Jordan was the guy. That must be really cool to hear a generation of people say, Thank you. But beyond that, beyond Dwayne Wade, I thought a really interesting thing happened in Pop's speech. And I don't know if many people picked up on it. Talked about this on Oddball yesterday. Pop was praising the fact that he's worked for great ownership, right? Red McCombs when he first joined. And then General What's-His-Face, whose name escapes me. And then the Holt family. First Peter Holt, now Peter Holt's kids. Yeah, three great owners except for college, right? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Kyrie. <laughs> That's an old Shaq joke, by the way. When Shaq first got to L.A., he said, I've won on every level except college in the NBA. <laughs> it's one of my favorite quotes. Kyrie's just giving tributes to all the greats. Yep. Yes, he is. So Pop makes a note to Peter John Holt and his sister Corinna who uh, I'm very grateful for in the sense that they've been just as trusting as their parents. Uh, they allow us to do our jobs. Uh, we keep them informed. Uh, but so far, they've sent me no out-of-bounds plays or anything like that. Uh, I'm really indebted to them. And everyone laughed, and they should laugh. It's a funny thought, right, that a meddling owner would draw up a play and hand it to the coach. Except that's a true story. Robert Sarver did that. Oh. And as soon as he said it, I knew exactly. Oh, that's another shot across the bow. That's such an inside joke. And you're just reveling in that joke. And you're looking around the room being like, who else got that? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Steve got it. <laughs> Boris got it. I'm looking at the guys in the room who are around for this stuff. You guys know what it was. It's a cool time to be out there. It's great to hear the speeches. It's great to hear people give shout outs to people you've never heard of. For people you wouldn't think would be there. I know like Tony Parker brought something like 150 people. That's why it sounded like a home game. He blew in so many people. And one of the people in this massive group, including the aforementioned Jan Mayin, me and Boris Diaz, was Thierry Henry. Oh, yeah. The famous French international, World Cup winner in 1998. He great for Arsenal. and Ted Lasso actor as well. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so... Seeing Thierry Henry there was kind of cool, and we're old friends too, so we chopped it up and everything. Look at me, so you're not only a Hall of Famer now, were you also wearing number 10 in your soccer playing days because you were the best player? No. You're just a Hall of Famer. Okay, got it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Unfortunately, Tom, I'm the exact opposite of an invitee to the Knights of the Triangular Table. I'm something that you say, like, oh, they're sworn enemy, right? Like, mm. The nation of Kovistan still holds me in great anger and disgust and disdain. I really loved how international this class was. We've got Pau Gasol from Spain, Tony Parker from France, Dirk Nowitzki from Germany, Dwayne Wade and Popovich holding it down for the United States. And I also loved the stat that one of these Hall of Famers was in the finals for nearly a decade, from 2006 to 2014, one of these guys was on the NBA's biggest stage for all of us to watch. They really dominated a decade. 
great personalities on all these guys. Really fun group of guys. Really fun Instagram videos of Dirk and Dwayne Wade. Yeah, that was sweet. Going back and forth and talking about how Dirk doesn't have a nickname. It's just Dirk. It reminds me of when LeBron and Dwayne were coughing on their way into the finals because... I thought about that so much, man. They were trolling Dirk Nowitzki for being sick or whatever, and they were coughing, and then they got their asses beat. So it's cool to see them kind of hang out and laugh about things. But I mean, was a certain Rudy Gobert part of the Tony Parker group? He wasn't because he's over with Team France. So the only people... This is bullshit. ...weren't there. Because they were competing either for Team USA or Team France or what have you. Obviously getting ready for the World Cup. Wait, but Tony Parker's got to have a private jet that he could send out to Rudy Gobert or maybe A-Rod. I didn't want to go. Boris is the GM. So Boris actually came and he's like, I got to go right after this. I have to fly back and meet up with the team in like, Manila or whatever they're going from here. So. Wait, so literally Rudy Gobert could have hopped on that flight? Yeah, but I mean, he's got to play. Boris is just sitting there from his ivory tower making moves. So it's a little different. Drinking very fancily prepared coffees team france's gm is boris dial and team usa's gm is grant hill oh here we go just saying i mean great company baby i mean feels like he's the gm of i feel like i'm the gm of national teams now team france and team usa i can't lose no who is this be like Zippo. is this rudy as well <laughs> to rudy's i don't understand what language you're speaking huh <laughs> i don't understand it i need someone to break down the code maybe translate for me. Are you saying it's all Chinese to you, Tom? James Harden could help translate some things or decode some things. Let's just get right into it. Break down some codes right here on Basketball Illuminati. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now it's time for Annie's secret message for you members of the secret circle. Remember kids, only members of Annie's secret circle can decode Annie's secret message. You can break the code. Maybe I take a shot at it, maybe I break it. I'm real happy with myself because I did my job well. There's only one hacker in the world who can break this code. Super string theory, chaos math, advanced algorithms. Code breaking. Strange, the code is somehow different. It's like solving a Rubik's Cube that's fighting back. Whoop-de-doo! What does it all mean, Basil? When people talk to each other, they never say what they mean. They say something else. And you're expected to just know what they mean. Break the code. You are. It's simply the best natural code breaker I've ever seen. So we've talked about Kyrie Irving being active on the socials. And we mentioned a couple of things, but we didn't even get to the tip of the iceberg 
because there's a little situation brewing with James Harden and Daryl Morey and Kyrie Irving of all people felt like he had to weigh in on Woj calling Harden disgruntled. He said, is he disgruntled Adrian two question marks or is he holding Daryl Morey accountable for his dishonesty and lack of transparency throughout the contract negotiation process this summer? This is all so complicated in some sense, but very simple in another, like James Harden to me is out of moves and Kyrie Irving is acting like he's on the inside of this, that Kyrie Irving knows that Daryl Morey promised him something. Is it this the same dude that made James Harden flee Brooklyn? Did that happen? Or was that just a dream that I had once that they were all on the same team? (laughs) So Kyrie's on the inside now and is speaking for James Harden in this and saying he's just holding Daryl Morey accountable. So you know what James Harden's accusing him of. James Harden did a very interesting thing here. He called Daryl Morey a liar. Liar! Daryl Morey is a liar. And I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. He went full Anakin Skywalker. Is that a Star Wars reference? On Amidala, yes. He said, liar, when she said that she'd never talked to Obi-Wan. But he never specified what he lied about, which is the billion-dollar question here. What is James Harden accusing Daryl Morey of lying about? And what Kyrie Irving is insinuating is that Daryl Morey promised him something, a handshake agreement that he was going to take care of James Harden or offer him something or trade him. And that never materialized. And so James Harden's out here holding him accountable in China. Daryl Morey's favorite country. He says the line and he said it twice. And at the end of it, people started cheering. And I'm like, where the hell is he? Where people are cheering. (laughs) Oh, it's China. Yo. Ah. Got you. I telling you, when I woke up this morning, it was like 6 a.m. and I'm going through Twitter and Roy Bellamy had tweeted this out, the video. Uh And it was from some like obscure account that I didn't recognize. And I legit thought this was AI. It might still be. I thought that this video from James Harden. It might still be. No, AI was at the Hall of Fame this weekend. Oh, right, right. Sorry. I was not sure that this was real. And there was a part of me that was like, until Shams tweets this out or Winhurst or Mark Stein tweets this out, I'm not believing that this is real. And this was one of the first moments of my life that I watched a video of a superstar, a celebrity, and I was like, wait a minute, this could be just an AI generated video. It looked weird. His voice sounded weird. I don't know. It just seemed like they typed in a script and then he says it in a chat GPT. And the funny thing is people cheering for this thing that he said. And I said, which roughly translates to preaching to the choir. That's what old James Harden was doing there. Yeah. Tom, I'm going to disagree with you vehemently on something. You said Harden's out of moves. Oh, contraire, my friend. <laughs> I think this is when a cold war becomes a hot war. Because mm. up until now, it's all subterfuge. It's behind the scenes. It's everyone's kind of smiling through gritted teeth. Everything's fine over here. And what James Harden just did, he launched the nuclear code and let Daryl Morey know, oh, if you thought I'm going to go quietly into the night, guess again. As I said to you guys in the group chat when you shared this, I said, hey, Damian Lillard, Grab a pen and paper. Take some notes here. 
This, ladies and gentlemen, is how you make a mess. You don't say, well, I'll just have to show up and be my best. No, you got to take a whole ass dump on everything. And I would say probably 28 teams. That works. Yeah. Put the timer on. I think Harden's out of there. Problem is, Daryl Morey is what I like to call a specific grade A premium asshole. James Harden is in this class. Daryl Morey's in this class. Jimmy Butler's in this class. Danny Ainge is in this class. Gilbert Arenas is in this class. So I was asked on NBA radio by Rick Hamlin, how do you think Daryl Morey received this? And I told him, I said, this is going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to say this analogy anyway. When Gilbert Arenas was in the locker room and he had the three guns on the chair in front of him, and Javaris Crittenden walked in, and Gilbert, as the story goes, told him, pick one, pick a gun. And Crittenden responded by taking out his own gun, cocking it and saying, I don't need to pick one. I've got my own. And he may or may not have started singing, oh, let's do it by Waka Flock. So the locker room at this point scatters. Everyone who's in there is like getting the hell out. Like they don't want to be a part of this. A shootout's about to happen. As everyone's running away and Javaris has his cocked and loaded, ready to rock gun in his hand, legend has it that Gilbert Arenas responded by sitting back in his chair and laughing. That even when faced with a literal life and death situation, Gilbert Arenas is going to continue the bit to the bitter end. He's not going to break. And so when Rick Helmer asked me, how's Daryl Morey receiving this? I said, he's sitting back in his chair and he's laughing, even though destruction is almost imminent. To which point I would say to both of you guys, how much job security does Daryl Morey have? Well, he interestingly left Houston and joined the Philadelphia 76ers and then promptly the CEO of the 76ers was named Tad Brown, came from Houston. And so it might have been that he had some cover where the whole executive team is from Houston. And Daryl Morey is sitting there laughing at James Harden because if James Harden is not going to report to training camp or does not provide services, playing services, I should say, that's going to be a problem for James Harden. Sure. Because according to Bobby Marks, the CBA language, a player who withholds playing services call for by a player contract for more than 30 days after the start of last season covered by his player contract shall be deemed not to have completed his player contract by rendering the playing services called for there under. Accordingly, such a player shall not be a veteran free agent and shall not be entitled to negotiate or sign a player contract with any other professional basketball team unless and until the team for which the player last played expressly agreed otherwise. In other words, if James Harden is unwilling to participate in the organization that Daryl Morey is employed by, then he is at risk of basically being an NBA purgatory. Oh, Tom. For the foreseeable future, that he can't sign with another team. Tom, Tom, Tom. So. You think. We need to discuss what withholding playing services means. Exactly. Because there is wide latitude, probably lawyers or whomever. Exactly. Wide latitude, also wide fatitude. Yes, sir. Yes. Get the fat yes. suits out. It's fat suit season. Even though we have his agent saying on podcast that he's going to be in the best shape of his life and that he's never been hungrier. Hmm. 
<laughs> hungry, you say? Hungry, hungry hippos. James has a crazy hunger in him right now. Like, if he got an MVP this season, I wouldn't be surprised. That's what kind of hunger he got in him right now, just from the disrespect. Um, just, you know, the free agency stuff, which I don't really want to get into, but... Jason Dumas, who's a credible reporter out in the Bay Area and has tentacles in Philly, is reporting that the agent for James Harden, didn't name him by name, but he said the agent did not back him on that statement, did not advise him to make that statement. Troy Payne. Here's where it gets interesting, is who is advising or providing counsel for James Harden in this situation? Because if the agent wasn't for this, and if the agent's the go-between between James Harden and Daryl Morey, and he's not on board with James Harden's next thing, Seems like James Harden's just lighting everything on fire. You guys, come on, Tom. How long have we been doing basketball Illuminati? You have to build plausible deniability. The agent says, I didn't tell him to do that. Why would he do that? He's going to be in the best shape of his life. And so you can't establish conspiracy to defraud within this. And as far as what Bobby Marks posted, that's fine. But as we know, and we told you guys this time and time again, in the NFL, you don't like it. What you do is you sit out. There's 16 games that can't afford to lose you even for a couple of them. It could change the course of the season dramatically. In the NBA, you show up. You show up and you make a mess. What they're doing right now is establishing two things. It's not premeditated and it's about to get messy as it's about to get so messy, they're going to wear pink jerseys and play in Fort Lauderdale, but somehow call it Miami. Wow. That's how messy it's about to get in Philadelphia. Number 10. And number 10. There you go. Bring it back one more time. So what Harden is doing is, to me, beautiful. This is how you do it. This is how you shake the tree to make apples fall out. And in most cases, I think it would work tremendously. The problem is he's going against a guy who's every bit of the asshole that James Harden is. Meaning, we're watching two guys play chicken and no one's going to swerve. So what's going to happen at collision point? I know James Harden's not going to give up a dollar. So he'll show up. He'll play like crap. But here are the ramifications. Number one, Daryl Moore has been in charge for three years now. The team has not advanced outside the second round. Nothing has changed. If anything, they've had a couple of embarrassing second-round knockouts in that. He's fired the head coach. There's not a single player on the roster who was there before him other than Joel Embiid. The guy that he made a huge play for, that he promised everybody was his messiah. He went on and got him a year later. This dude wants out. And guess what? It wasn't a year later when he wanted out. We knew all year long this dude was talking about not coming back to Philadelphia. Can I stop you right there for a second? I mean, mm -hmm. so last year... He took a team-friendly contract to provide Philadelphia with more cap flexibility. $14 million less took a pay cut, yeah. This summer, he opts in. Yes. When he wants an extension and doesn't get it, he opts in. And then he demands a trade, as he's wanted to do. And now he's accusing Daryl Morey of lying. The opting in, the opting in, I believe. I'm not reporting. I don't know anybody. I haven't shout to anybody. Yada, yada, yada. Aggregators, mount up. The opting in is so that they could trade him. Because if he opts out, Maze, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. He can't get to the Clippers that way because they're far beyond the tax. And so a sign-in trade is not 
an option for them. And so the only way he would get there is taking a taxpayer minimum, which I don't even believe exists anymore, or basically taking the minimum, right? That's what would happen if he opted out. So to drill down on the code, Mm -hmm. which is what Daryl Morey lied about, it's not the extension. Well, it's the trade. Not necessarily because there's a couple of things going on, right? The extension probably was communicated to him at some point wasn't going to happen because remember the Sixers were investigated for the practice of James Harden taking a $14 million cut to sign a two-year deal with a player option out. So there is an element there where it's like, okay, maybe they said, yeah, we'll do it. And then once the heat came around and said, well, there's too much heat. We can't do it. At which case maybe Harden, his trust is broken at this point. So then he says, get me out of here. And they say, well, if you want to go there, you better opt in so that they can trade you there and he opts in and then the trade doesn't happen. Yeah. So there's two major points there. But to me, this is all moot. I don't know the truth. You don't know the truth. Nobody really knows the truth other than James Harden and Daryl Morey. And Kyrie. And Kyrie, because Kyrie knows everything. There are no mistakes, no coincidences. My question circles back to how much job security does Daryl Morey feel? This team hasn't achieved anything more than before he was there. Since he's been there, they've had two rather embarrassing playoff flameouts. He's had to fire the coach. And the guy that he staked his rep, that's my guy. That's my guy. Brought him in within a year, at least, does not want to be there anymore. Whether Harden plays another game for the Sixers or not is quite irrelevant. This is a picture of organizational dysfunction. So, if he gets a deal done, whoopee. You think Joel Embiid is sitting around right now feeling real confident about how everything is going? I was just going to say. And at that point, if you lose the confidence of your star player, who you did not draft, who you had nothing to do with, at what point does Daryl Morey say, oh, they trust me here? At some point, when everything has changed, You've eroded every single opportunity to say, I found it like this. No, you didn't. This is your making. This is your mess. So I ask, how much job security does this guy feel right now? Because you're right, Tom. In many ways, James Harden is leveraged out. He has to play in order to get at least free agency, if not get his money. That's what I'm saying here is he's kind of cornered here because in order to get that next big deal, he has to play up to his abilities. Yep. He has to show out in this contract year. So taking a huge dump on the organization is not going to do him any favors to get his money, get the bag. And he's looking at what happened to Russell Westbrook in signing basically a veteran minimum deal at this age after being a triple-double guy not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And now he's a vet minimum guy. He might be looking in the mirror and seeing that same fate if he decides to take a dump on Daryl Morey and the organization and try to light this thing up with a fuse. And so that is what Daryl Morey is saying. Mm -hmm. Look, Daryl Morey, think about the enemies that Daryl Morey has created in his tenure with the NBA. He created an enemy out of China. He created an enemy out of Yao Ming. He created an enemy out of LeBron James. Clutch. He's gone after everybody and says, I am still here. I am still running basketball offs for this organization. Even though Ben Simmons demanding a trade, he's going to wait until the right trade comes along. And he played chicken with Ben Simmons. He did. Ultimately got the deal that he wanted in James Harden. And here lies the rub. At the time, Daryl Morey looked like he made out like a bandit. Absolutely. Ben Simmons, 
who wasn't playing for months after a big flame out in the series against Atlanta. Doc Rivers says his thing. Joel Embiid says his thing. And Daryl Morey still got James Harden in exchange for Ben Simmons, who hadn't played in months and had back surgery and all these red flags. He still got James Harden. Problem is, now what? So you got James Harden and you got him on a $36 million one-year contract this summer. You did not extend him, but now what are you going to do with that asset? What are you going to do? But Tom, that's the flip side of this. He got James Harden, who promptly did not want to be there anymore. All that's well and good. And what I said last year still stood and he got it. And I think it'll stand for this as well. I think he's not going to trade James Harden unless he gets what he wants. He is the wrong guy to play chicken with in the same way that James Harden is the wrong guy to play chicken with because he has no problem showing up fat and out of shape or mailing it in. He's got no problem doing that. So the end of this whole thing is maybe James Harden screws up and then has to do the Russell Westbrook thing. Maybe. But I'm going to tell you what. Daryl can't be long for this shit either because there's only so long you can be this big badass who antagonizes everybody, sends bullshit trade deals to people, worn out his welcome with several agencies, who does all this shit and then doesn't win either. And I'm not the one win a championship, win more than one playoff series. Okay, Stu Gatz. So we might be looking at the elusive lose, lose, lose. Daryl Morey gets fired. James Harden signs a vet minimum and the Philadelphia 76ers flame out on another season. Oh, you forgot about the other news in that. Joel Embiid says, I'm out of here. Send me to South Beach. Smith. He went on Paul George's podcast, which I want to actually listen to specifically because I wanted to hear Stephen A go face to face with this guy who he's been having a little bit of a exchange of war words with. But I think the important thing for everybody listening to this is you got to go and at least watch this clip because it sounds like Stephen A doing his usual very serious voice when he's telling you a story about someone coming up on him. But when I tell you the story and his voice don't do enough justice to how he looks. Mm. We were at the Staples Center. And Kyrie rolls up on me. Uh, Lakers, Memphis Grizzlies. He rolls up on me. I think it was, I think it was, it was either that or Denver. He rolls up on me. He taps me on the back and he's like, you still got that same energy face to face? I said, I'm standing here, ain't I? <laughs> and he was like, it's really not about me anymore. And I looked at him and I said, you're right. It had become about me and his dad and how we had elected to communicate with each other. And the shame of it is I'm 55. Obviously, his father is around my age. And the younger son was the one that had to educate us. This is really about Mm y'all. And so I just said, that's what men do. Kyrie Irving is right. And I called his father and we resolved everything and we met face to face and it's no problem. I said to him, I'm still going to judge your son by what I see, but 
this notion that there's going to be personal animus, whatever. I thought I was just doing my job. If it looked differently, that's on me. And so, you know, real knows real. And when you're a man, you own up and you fess up to the things that you did wrong. And I'm going to always be that dude. He's wearing these rose-tinted, smoky glasses. Frameless. Frameless. Key detail. He's got a pure white shirt with one of those collars where it's like a strap and the buttons are off to the side. I've often described this as the shirt that I wore to my prom because that's the kind of shirt I had on, although mine was black. And then, oh man, I wish I could get an evaluation on that chain Mm -hmm. because that's that, oh yeah, I make this much money kind of chain. And I wish I could see what kind of pants he was wearing because I'm betting white linen just off the top of my head. Glorious. Do you think you get like a behind the scenes, him walking in somewhere? Maybe it's not that you listen to the whole episode. Maybe it's you just check out the YouTube so you can see what Stephen A wears. Well, I want to see what he has to say, but yeah, maybe that too. Did that not just sound like Stephen A? Maze, did you hear that when Amin just said that sentence? It sounded like, ah, I die. That's why the video is an important component, you know? Because otherwise, how would I know that Stephen A is not here with us right now? That's right. Wearing frameless rose-colored glasses. Seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. Oh, no. The pants are black. <laughs> I just pulled it up on YouTube. Oh, that's upsetting. That is upsetting. I'm imagining him at the Michael Rubin party, and he just decided not to change. He's wearing all white. He's got, it looks like white high-top converses. Wearing white at every level, except for the pants. 